Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Many Happy Miles, a podcast that celebrates all types of forward movement. Whether it's a half marathon PR or a leisurely stroll, we're here to say yay to it all and bring on guests to inspire you to move with joy. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner, and today we are beginning our first podcast series ever. It's called The Final Finish Line, four shows devoted to the time when running is no longer an option for your body. Or... To put it more abruptly, you can't run anymore. I took my last run in January of 2020, but an orthopedist I trusted told me in late 2017 that I should consider not running anymore. My running career had been marked by more injuries than PRs, my lower back was a mess, and the high-impact sport was not going to do me any favors as I aged. I believed him when he told me that, and I also wasn't ready to give running up yet. Because running isn't just my physical outlet. Running had been my partner. She'd been consistently by my side for over 20 years. She was always ready to rally. She was my confidant and my antidepressant, my kick in the butt and my place to relax, my connector to a higher power, and my path to peer inwards. She was my cool side of the pillow and my reality check when I needed one. And she's still making me cry, so sorry. Um... I took more and more things out of my running routine. I took out races. I took out runs over five miles. I took out hills and intervals to hold on to the sport that I loved. I shed buckets of tears and still do, obviously. Um, I became angry and frustrated and depressed. Ask my family. I was not easy to be around. Over time, with some therapy, some internal reconciliation, and the unwavering support of the AMR community, I was somehow able to know that my final run in January of 2020, it was less than three miles, just a flat out and back. I somehow knew that that could truly be my last run. I wasn't at total peace, but my internal scale had tipped from clinging to releasing. I had crossed my final finish line. While I wouldn't wish the final finish line on any runner, the reality is, is that our bodies break down over time and miles. And it's really hard to reconcile that this healthy thing that you love to do is actually not serving you anymore. If this has happened to you, first of all, it totally sucks. And I'm sorry. I believe that this series will really resonate with you and help you come to terms with where you are in your journey. If you're running strong, this series is still for you because the women on this journey and experts I'm going to talk to are smart, funny, and honest, and their perspectives can help you through injury 
or lend a hand to a running friend who might be approaching her final finish line. I recently wrote a feature in six columns for women's running called the Not Running Anymore Club. That's kind of clunky, the Not Running Anymore Club. (laughs) Um, But we'll link to that feature and those columns in the show notes because what you hear here is just a slice of what I go into depth more there. And during this series, I'm going to talk to some of the athletes and experts I interviewed when I did those written pieces. Today, I'm going to talk to Stacey Bruce, an athlete out of Austin, Texas, who has been a runner for over 27 years. She's the mother of an 18-year-old and the executive director of Variety, the children's charity of Texas. When I shared the women's running feature that I wrote on Facebook, Stacey wrote, Finding the inspiration to stop running has been very difficult. It's a hard shift from the inspiration to run harder, run faster, run further. It's time to listen to my body and maybe the doctors and then put a cute little heart emoji. So she, you know, the journey well. So welcome, Stacey. Thank you. Thank you. The tears are already starting, by the way. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Well, you know what? And I and I wrote to you when I wrote to this, I said, you know what? If you and I are both crying, that's okay. Um, I think one of the things is that people don't think that they should cry as much over running um, as they do. And I will tell you that every person that I've talked to, to a fault, has tears about it. So, Well, and I, mean, and I have to say this has been just engaging with you and communicating back and forth has been somewhat of a cathartic experience for me as I've gone down this path of grieving the loss of running, but also accepting the beauty of the gifts that running has given me over the years. Yeah. Yeah. So, and how, can you tell, tell us how old you are, Stacey? Just to I am 51. 51. So you yeah. and I are the, we're in the exact same age, exact same spot. It's a great so, age. All right. Well, so tell us, let's, let's, let's not get to the end first because okay. um, you had a great start in running. Tell us how you got started running. I would love to. So I've always been an athlete. Uh, My mom put a basketball in my hand in the fifth grade, and I fell in love deeply with the sport of basketball, but also with fitness. I can remember as a young girl uh, growing up in the panhandle of Texas, maybe fourth, fifth grade, going to the track in the evenings and being so proud of being able to run a quarter of a mile or, you know, eventually getting to a mile. And uh, so I'm not sure I fell in love with running at that time, but I fell in love with basketball and I fell in love with what sports gave me as an individual. So fast forward to college at the University of Texas, I found myself with that freshman 15 and was not very happy with it. And for those of you who know Austin, Texas, we have a beautiful town lake or Lady Bird Lake. And I decided, you know, it's time to do something. And so I went down to this beautiful lake that was new to me and I did a three mile loop. I'm sure I struggled through it and uh, started doing that regularly and found a sign for Austin Fit and said, run a marathon. And I thought, well, I'm not going to run a marathon. There is no way I can run a marathon, but I bet I can find some accountability partners. So I joined Austin Fit and got up to six or seven miles. I remember the very first seven mile loop that I did and I thought, huh. Well, uh, maybe I'll do eight next week. And I did eight. And I remember talking to one of the coaches, starting to process, well, my mileage is getting longer, so maybe I could. So I went to a woman named Deborah Selaney and I said, you know, I can do this, but I'm going to slow down a whole lot, right? To get to 26.2 miles, there's no way I'm going to run it at this pace, whatever it was at that time. And she looked at me and she said, no, you'll run it at that pace. And I thought, huh. So eventually I got to 10 miles, 12 miles for, and, and in 1997, I ran my 
first marathon, the Austin Motorola Marathon, and was very happy with a 354 finish. And that really cemented my love of running and my desire to continue down the path of running. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I, yeah, I remember you talking about it. I love that you picked, found a flyer you're like, Oh, yeah. well, maybe I mean, it's <laughs> so like 1996 or whatever it was. 1996. I started training. Yeah. 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 I love it. Found a flyer. Okay. Well, so, so you, you definitely, I mean, a 354 for your first marathon is very impressive. And that was, you know, on your training, you know, just by, I imagine mostly just doing the mileage. Yeah, so yeah. you really decided to see what you could do with your running, right? Yeah. You know, it, it took a while running for me started out very, very social every Saturday yeah. morning, Austin fit at that time running was really starting to take off, but yet my Austin fit group was maybe 12 to 15 people. Now, if you look at the groups of people that are training for marathons in Austin, you've got in any, you know, pace group, you've got 40 to 50, a hundred people running just in a certain pace group. So then you could really get, develop these deep friendships with those individuals um, that you were training with as we do today. And so it became very yeah. social. Well, Austin yeah. at that time was also really emerging as a running city, thanks to Paul Carosa and, and Runtex. And so I very quickly realized, wow, not only can I run the distance on Saturday mornings and then go have pancakes, which I wish I could do today, <laughs> but don't. I can also go run hills on Tuesday with a group of people. And then I can go do track workout on Thursdays with all of these people that I'm falling in love with. So it was as much about creating a social network of people who had the same passion and the same goals and running. Most of these people were first-time marathoners as well. And so through that began to realize that, okay, well, maybe I could not only finish a marathon, but after I ran a 354, maybe I could run it a little faster. Maybe I could. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I ever dreamt that I would have qualified for Boston it took six marathons and I think a lot of mental maturation and understanding that there is a lot of mental maturity that I needed to gain in addition to the social aspect and the encouragement that I got from friends and family. So as I got into my late thirties, I was like, Oh, I, I could actually run a little faster, became somewhat competitive in my age group, not the overall running, but in my age group stuff and was very fortunate to run two Boston's qualify several times, but run two Boston's and very That's awesome. incredible experience. And for those of us who've run Boston, it's just, you know, it's the Super Bowl of all races. It is, it is, but you ran into injury during at least one of those Bostons. Was that correct? Yes. 2000. So I ran it in 2009 and I ran it in 2014. So, so 2013 was the bombing. My PR marathon, which was fantastic, was in Eugene, Oregon. And it was the week after the bombing in 2013. And I had absolutely no I hadn't even thought about running Boston in 2014, though I was qualified. And a friend looked at me and said, are you crazy? You're qualified for 2014 Boston, the year after the bombing, and you're not going to run it. And I went, oh, um, yeah, I'm going to run it. <laughs> so <laughs> I very right. quickly, I, right in time, got my got everything in and was able to run it in 2014. And it was actually in the 2013 where I blew my hip. I was on track to run a PR, which I ended up getting my PR, but it wasn't quite as fast as I wanted. And at about mile 19, I, I, my labrum basically gave out on me. And so as I got to 2000, I didn't understand at that time that my labrum was pretty shredded. 
Okay. I knew it was hurt, but I didn't understand how hurt it was. And so I ended up running Boston 2014 on a torn labrum. And it was a valuable experience in that I had to accept I wasn't going to run a very fast Boston. In fact, it was probably one of my slowest marathons. And in fact, it was probably one of my favorite marathons because I really got to see a different version of Boston, a different version of those runners who aren't trying to run you know, a sub three, which never would have been me, but, you know, even a three thirty. I was with the people that are running a four thirty, a five hour marathon. And there's, there's a lot of beauty in running with those people and a lot of value in seeing the beauty of not only the course, but taking the time to see the peep that the fans along the course. Um, I think that was the last team Hoyt run. And I remember running upon the Hoyts and, and just in the previous Boston, you know, you can hear, you know, when you're near the Hoyts because the crowd doesn't (laughs) quiet down. And so just a really beautiful experience to run with a torn labrum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so (laughs) injuries are, you know, very personal at times, but I mean, so are you kind of the person who has had multiple injuries or is it torn labrum was at the beginning of the end or just kind of give us a over an overview of your body? multiple injuries that I feel like are all on the left side of my body. So something to be said about what's going on with my body, everything's impacted on the left. What I understand is my L4, L5, S1 are pretty degenerated. So again, the understanding from my doctor is that I have a fractured hairline fracture down there, which happens from what I understand in, in five, 10, 10% of the population typically happens at a young age. Um, gymnasts, maybe a child who's been in a wreck, those kinds of things. Okay. What happens is for those of us who, for many people who have this type of injury, if they're sedentary or don't do a sport that is repetitive in nature, they might not not ever be symptomatic. But as we know, running is repetitive in nature. And so what's happened is that it's just early degeneration of those discs. So I assume with that then, the rest of my body has been compensating for that. So L4, L5, S1, almost gone. That has resulted in a torn labrum, meniscus issues. Um, maybe that's just old age, but likely related. And then torn fascia. And I had fascia release in my left foot. And so at this point, lower back is a pain, literally. And the meniscus is, is the knee is the big thing. I just, I've got to stop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I hear you. So we talked a little bit about you switching to trails to try yes. to alleviate. So I mean, when as you after Boston, and I mean, as you are kind of running, do you have it in the back of your head that like, this isn't working for me anymore, but I'm gonna keep going or kind of talk about how you reconciled? Yeah, the the road has been my love. Road racing has been my love. And the the more minimalist the shoe, the better, the more I can feel that asphalt under my feet, the better and the more pain. And so, yes, I realized, okay, road might be ending for me, at least at the half marathon and marathon distance. Let's go to trail. In my head, the way I validated that was at least on the trail, it's not repetitive in nature. You are all over the place with your footing. So you're engaging different muscles. You're engaging different balance. It's it's just a very different motion than running on the road. It's also for me, trail, well, for everybody, trail is significantly slower. You have to slow down to be able to maintain your footing and your balance on the trail. So I thought, okay, yeah, this is going to be my thing. I want to get into ultras. I'm going to go do a hundred miles. I'm going to go do. 
And, you know, for a while, I think I did feel better, but talking about the body, the descents, you just can't descend. And if I want to run trail, I want to run Pikes Peak. I want to run Big Sky Montana. You know, I'm learning that that's not really working either. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we talked about a specific race in 2022. 2022. Was it the rugged something? It was, it's called Run the Rut in Big Sky Montana. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that was my last race. I had, it was my fifth, the year of my 50th birthday. And I really wanted to do the 50K for my 50th birthday. And then I wanted to raise $5,000 for my nonprofit that I leave. Well, I raised the money, um, but I dropped down to the 28K. And I've run Pikes Peak several times. So in my mind, oh, Big Sky is going to be easier because we don't get over 14,000 feet. And it'll just be easier. Sure. And same, same amount of climbing, but in a long, over a longer distance. Pikes Peak is powerful, by the way. One of my favorite races, a very sacred race for me. I've done it many times. Big Sky Montana is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Run the Rut was the hardest race I've ever done in my life. It's descending and ascending over and over again versus something like Pikes Peak, where you're pretty much just going straight up and then coming straight down. And I can remember throughout that race, some of those, the ascents are are so difficult and so steep. I think my slowest mile was 53 minutes or something. It, it was insane. Um, wow. My quads completely shredded. And then the descents are so steep and so loose that you just, you can't stay on your feet. And the emotions throughout that race were just all over the place to, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to do the 50K next year to cussing myself, being very, very angry, tears as, you know, as I tumbled and have blood running down my wrists. To get to that finish line was one of the most emotional powerful experiences that I've had in my running career and maybe just in general. I had trekking poles and I got across the finish line and I remember just being so angry with myself, but at the same time, so proud of myself. I tossed my trekking poles down and these two guys came over to me very quickly to really uplift and empower and congratulate me. And I'm like, no, no, I'm done. That has to be my last race. And so I think a lot of the emotion and grief and loss was hitting me at that time, recognizing that I I have to stop or I'm not going to be able to walk in 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. We're going to take a break to hear from the brands that support our podcast. Please support them in return. Stay tuned. We're going to continue chatting with Stacy when we return. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk a little bit about like how you are mentally reconciling that what you want to do, because that's the thing is that this running thing, like it's healthy for us, you know, 99% of the time, it's just that our bodies have that hairline fracture or they have that weird imbalance or that weak hamstring or whatever it is. And that's that one thing that sets off the cascade of other issues that over time doesn't allow you to do that anymore. And so it's 
for me, reconciling the difference between like, it's not like I'm going out and partying all night or doing drugs yeah. or anything. Like I just want to do this thing and I'm not allowed to. And this thing brings me so much joy and so much emotional clarity yeah. and so much connection with other people and connection with myself. And to lose that, you know, is just, it's heartbreaking. And I, you know, I, I talked at the beginning of this podcast about how eventually over time it just becomes easier, but where are you in that stage and kind of, how are you thinking? I'm struggling. I do have to admit, I'm, I try to get a couple of miles in. I do a lot of F45 just to keep my core fit. And, and I love it. I love the, the high intensity workouts and I just two, three, four days a week, I'll try to get a couple of miles in. And I'm every time reminded in the moment of those a couple of miles and in the morning when I wake up that I've got to stop this. So I, I'm definitely in the process of figuring out one, respecting my body enough. How do I, I've got to respect my body enough to say I'm done. I've mm -hmm. got to find things that fuel my soul is I have a massively competitive spirit. It's competitive with myself. Mm -hmm. And where do I find that fuel within my heart, my soul, and my body to replace that competitive edge, that competitive piece of me that's critical. And I think the other thing that it's figuring out how to replace is a couple of things, the social network that though I've become more of a solo runner as I've aged, but how do I replace that social aspect? Mm -hmm. And then probably how do I, it's the identity of being a runner and the identity of gosh, this is who I am. And this is what I've lived for, for so long. And this is people, what people know me for. It sounds kind of shallow, but what is my identity post being a runner? Yep. yep. You know, and there's so much more things that I am. And yet running is a big part of who I am. So yeah, that's where I am. <laughs> Those yeah. crossroads right there. Yeah, that's fair. And I and I don't mean to like keep poking a raw wound, but when you take those one to two miles as you run to F45, yeah. like, what are you saying to yourself? Like, are you ow every well, step? Because I've had those yeah. runs where I'm like, ow, yeah. ow, ow. And yet I keep, go I kept going, you know? I keep going. I do. I keep going. I keep going. And then I hop into my uh, high intensity interval training class immediately after, and I have to modify for my back or I have to modify for my knee. And in that moment, I'm reminded, my gosh, you know what? I'd probably have a more productive workout in the gym if I wouldn't run those two miles before. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. But then that little competitive piece of me as yeah. I'm running downhill and yes, it hurts, but catching, you know, a decent pace. I'm like, huh, I could run the 3M half marathon one more time. It's all downhill, which the descent, yes, is painful, but I can still move a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then I wake up the next morning. I mean, I'm sitting here right now and my lower back aches. And when I get up off the floor from sitting, you know, cross crisscross applesauce, my knees just don't unfold. Yeah. And so it's that constant reminder while I might have these moments of, oh, wow, there was a 745 pace and in that mile, sure, getting up from that crisscross applesauce sitting in the floor reminds me or that back reminds me, I, I have to stop. Yeah. Yeah. So and it, it, and it's, it's constant. <laughs> it's constant and it's, it's complicated. I mean, I, 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 you know, that's, I think that's one of the things that, you know, we, when we talked about it and hopefully, you know, this podcast series and the women's running columns 
bring to light is that it's not, it's not black and white. Like it yeah. is both. I know I need to stop and I love this thing. Right. Absolutely. Like it brings me so much. And so to say like, Oh, someone who wasn't a runner be like, come on, Stacy, just don't just run. The, stop. Yeah. Just don't run the two miles. There. It's two miles, right? It's two yeah. miles. It's nothing. Right. But it is so much more than the two miles. I yeah. completely understand. And again, I really appreciate you talking so honestly about it because the other place that's raw for you is you coach track workouts, which <laughs> is, I think, super cool. I mean, you have kind of two sides to it. So tell us a little bit about what you do, just what group you coach and what it looks oh, like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love I love the group I work with. It's called Team Radioactive. It is a group of beautiful, a beautifully diverse group of individuals who have a passion for triathlon, running, trail running, um, everything that I've engaged in, cycling, every, swimming, those things that I've engaged in throughout my adult life. And I've been coaching track for Radioactive for probably three years now, sadly, with this heat. Uh, I think at, it's on Wednesday nights. Every Wednesday night for the last probably two months, we've canceled due to an excessive heat warnings oh, here in Austin. Shoot. And uh, so those connections have been much fewer over the summer, which is uh, is difficult. So we're definitely looking forward to cooler weather soon. Coaching these individuals, and when I say a diverse group of people, I have a woman out who started marathons in her late 60s, and I believe she's into her mid to late 70s at this point. Wow. I wow. have people who are doing the couch to 5K who've never run more than a quarter mile. And then I have people who are the, you know, strongest individuals seeking PRs and the Ironman. And so again, it's just a, it's a beautifully diverse group of individuals. So we have historically done very typical track workouts. So drills and then all of the speed workouts focusing on, you know, 200 meters up to one mile repeats, those kinds of things. Over the last year or so during the off season, we will focus more on body weight, high intensity interval workouts, body weight type things to really focus on the core strength that what I've learned in my running is the stronger my core is, the better and faster I'm going to run. And I feel like oftentimes as endurance athletes, we skip that part of it because we really just need the miles. The time that we're putting in to get those miles robs us from really focusing on the core that we need to to be the best runners that we can. And so we began to incorporate during our off season boot camp style workouts, which I love doing. I love facilitating. And, and it's really an opportunity to engage with athletes at a different level because we're right there together, not spread out on a track. So during our track workouts, we've started running two workouts. One is for those who are really focused on the longer distances, I will provide them with that track, those typical track workouts of, you know, anywhere from 200 meters again to one mile repeats, that kind of stuff. Um, but we'll also run the boot camp workouts. And what I've learned is that people really like that boot camp stuff. So uh, again, just really getting to engage with these athletes in a different way. That's cool. And so you're on the infield with them doing the workouts or are you just leading the workouts? I will typically maybe do the warm up with them and the cool down with them. At one point I was running with one of them and I said, all right, I need you guys to hold me accountable to not running because I can't do these speed workouts. Yeah. It hurts too bad. And they're like, all right, we got you. Now I will do when we do the boot camp type workouts, I can do a lot of that stuff with them. So, but I will tell you holding back and you know, we, that idea of what I once was is always there in my head. And so we get these young runners out or even runners 
you know, our age who didn't pick up running until later in life. So their bodies are not as beat up as mine. They're out there running their mile at this pace or that pace. And I'm like, oh gosh. And I find myself wanting to go, oh, I used to do that. I used to run a six minute mile, you know, and I I hold back because obviously I don't want to put that out there, but, but there's a lot of beauty in getting to watch these athletes grow and recognize their own, not even know their own potential, but then when they get to, when they begin to recognize their own potential, um, wow, that's the gift. That's the gift is watching these young people and not so young people grow and, and fall in love with the sport and recognize that their potential is huge. Well, and that's, I mean, that's a little bit of the paradox, right? Is that, you know, youth is wasted on the young, right? Like I had no idea what I was doing when I was like lapping. I could get up and run six miles around Central Park five or six days a week, you know, like no problem, you know? And then, and now it's like, oh, you know, and, and I hear you on the part where you want to be like, I used to do that. Like, don't, because you feel left out, right? There's a time, you know, where you feel like, you know what, I, I did that marathon or I did whatever. I mean, I qualified for speaking for you here. I qualified for Boston plenty of times. I didn't do that personally, but it, what, I mean, it is really, I think it's human nature. And I also feel like it's that feeling of like aging and not being yeah. valid anymore. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. So how does the idea, I mean, is, does the idea of quitting at all, like, is that mental or is it physical? Like, I'm just curious because you said you came out as an athlete, like athletes don't quit. Yeah. That's, that's the, right. We don't quit. You know, it's funny. I I went skiing by myself, snow skiing uh, last year by myself. And I'm the kind of person that I'm going to, I will be on the first lift up and by gosh, I will shut the lifts down. And the day that I skied, I skied a couple of days. It was so cold and my knees were hurting, but by gosh, I'm going to shut that lift down. (laughs) And I had to kind of work through it in my head and that idea of quitting. It was a really neat process going through this day on the slopes. That idea of quitting versus the idea of stopping. Yeah. I'm not a quitter, but I have to stop. And by not quitting, but stopping, how, how, what else can I figure out? How else can I do this? So that it's interesting that you say quit. So I'll never quit. I might stop running, but I'll never quit. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that. That's a great way to say that. Yeah. Well, you also are, so going back to your track workouts, you do have this idea of celebrating other people's wins. When, we, when we've talked, you've talked about, you know, having this gratitude for the friendships that you've made through running and spending time with those ladies now, you know, at dinner or some fun conversation or something. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about how you are trying to frame, you use gratitude to frame your running journey. Yeah, I think there's a couple of ways. And and part of it is as we've aged and value those friendships that we've created over the years of running, really trying to stay in contact with those individuals that I ran my first marathon with in 1997. And then, you know, beyond in my early years, again, it was a very social part of my life. And I don't connect with those people nearly as much in person as I should. We're all connected on Facebook and, you know, we share at this point our families and our travels and our work, but not so much of our running. And I think, you know, being able to reflect and connect with those people and share those memories together is is a big part of that gratitude. And then I think working with these younger, not necessarily younger athletes, but maybe newer to the sports, 
celebrating them. There's one young girl that I work with. Her name is Alexis, who, oh my goodness, just the most vibrant, bubbly young woman that that I've run with in a long, long time. And I can't keep up with her. I don't even try to keep up with her. Um, but she's just a, a incredible cyclist, a better swimmer and a great runner. And watching her develop and being able to pour into her the beauty of the sport, the encouragement, the courage, the knowledge, uh, it, it really does help me reflect back on, again, this gift of running that I was given or that I picked up in 1996. Um, and now to watch this woman who's 20 years younger than me do that same thing. And the beauty, I love this, the beauty of someone not knowing their potential and she'll, she'll finish a race and I'll look at her time. And I'm, and I just, in my head, think she has no idea how fast she is. She has no idea what she's going to accomplish over the next 20 years. And I think there's so much beauty in that they're unknown, the young athletes unknown. Mm -hmm. And then to watch them, it'll be fun to watch her over the next few really years, really grow into herself as an athlete. For sure. Well, and are you able to go spectate these races, Stacey? I mean, that's that's also another it's hard. Sensi- yeah, sensitive spot. Talk about being on the sidelines versus... It's hard. Yeah. As much as I'd like to avoid the national anthem because I cry every single time at every single race, I want to hear that national anthem. I want to remember what that felt like at the Bostons that I've run, what that felt like at the, at the Pikes Peaks, although they play America the Beautiful, not the national anthem. <laughs> so that, that to me, while I will cry and it's emotional, it, it again reminds me of this gift that I've, I've been given over the years. For me, the first time I volunteered, I knew that I needed a purpose, that I didn't want to stand on the corner and watch these athletes run by. Uh, I knew what would tear me up the most are the signs being held by the little kids saying, go mom or go dad, or the signs be, you know, the mom and the dad out there cheering for their child. And so I knew, okay, let me, let me create some purpose here. My triathlon team, Team Radioactive does a lot of giving back to the communities and we sponsor water stops and those kinds of things. So I am able to spectate and I love to spectate with a purpose, meaning working those water stops, hot, cold, whatever the weather, it doesn't matter being out there and being able to hand water and encouragement to those athletes is incredible. And the best part is when that last runner comes through and the tears, again, I'm I'm a crier. You've already figured that out. Um, (laughs) My goodness, as we create like a human tunnel for those last couple of runners to come through is one of the most powerful, beautiful experiences um, that running can give, not just to me, but to that individual. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, so what advice would you have for somebody who is in your position right now, who is, you know, trying to to squeak out a couple more miles, but knowing, you know, that maybe it's not the best thing for them physically, but not really knowing how to completely turn off the spigot. Yeah. I think reflection and gratitude are a big part of that. And I really do say that conversations with you since I found you on Facebook have been really powerful in 
helping me reflect and find the gratitude and joy that I have and that is down deep inside of me. So, so being able to do that, being able to reflect upon what I once was, um, I kind of do that internally. I, you know, I don't think it's great to be, oh, I did this or I did that, but I'm very yeah. proud of what I did. And I do think that that's something that is within me that I can look back and be very proud of. I think the bigger part of me right now and and the advice would be, what's next? If I'm so competitive in spirit, I will never PR, obviously, on a run again. I'm a decent cyclist. I'll never PR on a road bike or a mountain bike again. But guess what? I'm an average swimmer. I bet I can find some PRs in the swimming pool. (laughs) I love it. Swimming is one of those things that I have tried to enjoy over the years, I'm an average swimmer. I'm one of those people that if I'm average, I kind of don't want to do it. But that's, I feel like my heart right now is really leading me. What can I do to replace the running? And I feel like swimming is a big part of that. So finding that replacement for that competitive human that lives within my soul is an important part of it. I think also finding alternatives and following you. I see you doing it all the time. What are other alternatives? Hiking, hiking, hiking. I need to be in the mountains. Yes. Um, yes. So finding that opportunity, hiking, there's some great hiking in Austin. I've done it all. So I need to figure out how I can spend a little bit more time in the mountains and being on those trails that I love in Colorado or New Mexico or wherever. I definitely suggest hiking to a lot of people. I think it's great because you get the fresh air, you get the challenge of the hills. I mean, the only thing that I would say about hiking, and I've realized this, is that just doesn't get your heart rate up. I mean, yes, climbing up a hill does get your heart rate up, obviously, um, especially if you're pushing it. But because you're not running and that endorphin, for me, I have to have my heart beat faster. Like I have to feel that, like that, whatever it does in my body physiologically, it creates the endorphins. It gets, you know, all my blood flowing. It just makes me mentally, I need to do that. So, um, so yeah, so for me, it's finding like, like, yes, I trained for hikes and I, I like those, but I need to make sure that I continue to ride my bike or swim. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's Mm -hmm. harder sometimes too, to get out swimming. I mean, swimming, I can get there sometimes, but it's, it's, it's a different kind of exhaustion. It is. It does. It, it feels, but it does feel more akin to running than hiking does. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that heart rate thing, one of the things I've struggled with, and I don't know if you have as well, I assume most of us, especially um, at this age is okay. How, how am I going to take care of my body? because running obviously is not just about the beautiful gift of running. It's also, wow, it keeps my body in shape and that heart, you know, high heart rate, those kinds of things. And, and I found that uh, one of my additional struggles and then trying to figure out around that is, okay, what am I doing to stay strong? So I mentioned F45, where I really focus a lot on intermittent fasting and nutrition as well. And I feel like, you know, as I'm shifting and, and, trying to find this new identity and these new ways of taking care of myself, that nutrition thing has become more and more important all the way around. Agreed. Well, Stacey, thank you so much. You have been really, I think, again, the perspective of bringing this in and being honest about it, I think validates a lot of people as far as if they're in the same position or if they have been in that position, because it is like, I knew that I needed to stop in 2017. I didn't stop until 2020. I mean, that yeah. You know, that was a long, you know, it's, it's a long journey. It's not, it's not a, a switch to flip. So right. thank you for talking to us today You're and welcome. we wish you the best and go, go set some, you know, hundred meter freestyle PRs, some, 
<laughs> I am some backstroke, exactly. whatever you need. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you. I want to thank you for the work that you're doing uh, around this. Again, I'm so appreciative of the small amount of time that I've got to spend communicating back and forth with you because it has been very hopeful and therapeutic in, in my process towards this. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. Thank you, Stacey. Yeah. You're welcome. So we start Fall Into Fitness on September 11th. Fall Into Fitness is our new fall program, which focuses on all three parts of fitness, cardiovascular endurance, muscular strength, and joint mobility. Every workout in the six-week program has those three pieces in it. So if you are not running anymore, like Stacy and me, this program is great for you. There, You can walk it, you can do bike workouts or elliptical workouts, and you can do the strength and mobility, and you're going to feel stronger and better and primed for any adventure you happen to fall into. Head to our website and register for Fall Into Fitness. We start on September 11th. Stay tuned. Next Tuesday, we will have our second episode of The Final Finish Line. I'm going to be talking to Dr. Dan Meyer, who is a very gracious and insightful orthopedist, and Gretchen Gibson, who is his patient, who has had a knee and a hip replacement and is continuing to try to run. So we're going to talk to them both next time. So we'll see you next Tuesday. Our podcast today was produced by Barry Medore of Fire on the Bluff in St. Paul, Minnesota. <laughs>